Good morning, everybody. Shir Shabi Le'ilui Nishmas, Chayesha Tila Basraf Gavriel Pinchas, Kamir Shamreza, Tzibi Sonim Bas Rebi, Bas Rebi. And then for a four shlema for Eitan Moshe Chaim and Esther. Now, Chaim Levin over y'all. So, just, I, as Chatini Maskir Yom yesterday, I left out probably the linchpin to Rav Margolis's uh, piece. I feel very bad. We were discussing that all the anonymous, just uh, one word of, uh, of um, housekeeping regarding yesterday's share before we start today, uh, today's topic. And that is that is a, we spoke about yesterday that there were at least four different places in Shas where there's arguments between Rav and Shmuel, and the Gemara doesn't tell us who said what, who authored which statement. And so he wanted to suggest, based on their ancestry, that uh, Rav, who came from Malchus, would always go ahead and give a favorable impression of the base Malchus, the Dovna Shlomo, and Shmuel was a Kohen to Moshe and Aaron. And, the Gemara, and all that was anonymous, except there's one Gemara in Sanhedrin, that actually says, Lobari Alma, the whole world was only created, according to Rav, for David, according to Shmuel, for Moshe. According to Rav, it was for David because all the shiros tishbachos that he gave, and according to Shmuel, it was for Moshe because he accepted the Torah, and that actually clearly shows how they align themselves, the positions they take. That Rav was for David and David Amelech, and that Shmuel always went ahead and was no tefetzad of of Moshe and Aaron. And based on that Gemara, he says Hashem opened my eyes with this Gemara, which which now uh, reflects on the other Gemaras. So that Gemara is not even anonymous. It's clear as day where they, where they align their, uh, their allegiances, allegiance to. And based on that, he was able to be Masri of the other Gemara. So I forgot to mention that yesterday, so I just want to add that before we start today. Okay, before everyone comes, everyone's okay if we do Pesach next week? Uh, two Shirman Pesach? I'm not here the following week. We're leaving for Pesach. I won't be here. But next week, rather than, start, rather than start the new Mishnah and have to stop, I figured we can do two days of, of stuff for the Haggadah, for Pesach. I think it'll be more Nyan Dioma. I think we'll make it fun. Okay, so the Gemara starts now. We are up to Amr Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Chaninim, Shem Ben Yaakov, which is approximately maybe 10 lines, uh, 2, 4, 6, 8 of the wide lines. Last words, a little bit further than that, actually. First one line, about, uh, about uh, 12 lines, 12 lines in. Okay. Everyone have that? First was in line. When someone davens he must go ahead and align his feet together, meaning side by side like this, as opposed to like this, we're going to see in a minute, side by side, not heel to toe. By the, when the Malachim, and, and Yechezkel saw, it says, their feet was a f- straight foot. What does it mean that their feet, in plural, became a straight foot? Like Meaning they aligned themselves like this, a foot side by side, so that it appeared it had one footprint. It looked like one, one foot. <clears throat> now, why do we have to go ahead and put our feet together when we dive into Shemonesei? The Rashba famously says it's because our feet allow us to go ahead and run to do the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to run to do mitzvahs and run away from Averos. And when we come to him, we have to show that everything we have is, is totally on him. So we almost tie our feet together. If someone's feet are bound together, they can't run. They can't. We're showing that everything is, uh, is, is we're, we're dependent on Kodesh Baruch. When we come to speak to him, that should be our, uh, our only uh, concern. And we're, we're not running away. And, um, and the, there's also a Beis Yosef that says that when you are Omid B'fnei the Beis Yosef says, then you, 
you basically make yourself like a malach by standing your feet together, give that same impression that all of our physical needs should disappear when we're, and we should focus only on the gosh, on the ruchnis when we are standing in front of Hashem. Okay, certain halachos, by the way, just very quickly re- regarding that, Rashi says, so Rashi is the one that tells us when we stand together, when it says not this like this, as opposed to a Kohen, which used to stand heel to toe. There's a, we're going to see for a second, there's another opinion that you should dive in one foot in front of the other. We don't hold like that. And then Rashi says, Bragleim, regularly show her nearing Kiregel Achad. What? So thankfully. That'd thankfully, that'll be a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> nearing Kiregel Achad. We'd all be used to it already by now. But yes, nearing Kiregel Achad, it's one foot. So Tamid Rabbeinu Yonah say, based on this, also like Rashi, that they have to be side by side. But interestingly, the Yerushalmi quotes two opinions. The Yerushalmi quotes the opinion that the feet are adjacent to each other, but also one like this. And the reason to do heel to toe would be to mimic the Kohanim. When they did their avoda, they would do heel to toe. Now it's interesting, the halacha, whenever there's a machlok as Bavli and Yerushalmi, we always pass them like the Bavli. Interestingly enough, the Tor Shulchan brings down both opinions from the Yerushalmi, either side by side or like this, which is interesting. The Shulchan Aruch wonders maybe because the, the because the um, the Gemara here wasn't so definitive. It's in saying that you have to do feet like this. Maybe that's why the Torah brought both opinions. But the Halacha, we certainly know how we paskin. We paskin that you always have to have one one next to each other, not heel to toe, but like this next to each other. When Davshu and we give the appearance of Malachim. The Mishnah Brewer interestingly notes that if, even if one is sitting for Shmona Esrei, let's say they're too weak to stand, their feet should still be like this. Not only a standing thing, but even a sitting thing, you should have your feet together, says the Mishnah Bura. And it's interesting, by the way, our obligation to align our feet together has other implications as well. We know that something called Akiras Raglai, when you take your three steps back, that's what signifies the end of Shmonesri. So if someone, for example, forgot to say, and he took his three steps back, he has to be Chosesh Shmonesri. Says the Shokhanar, once you take your three steps back and you break the, the, the position of your feet, that would, mean, that would signify the end of Shemun and you would have to be Chozer. The Mishnah Bura, by the way, says Shemun really ends when you say Yilu Rasonim Refi before Osa Shalom is when Shemun ends. And the Shemun has one other point, and that is, he says, that what is Shemun It's a conversation between you and the Almighty. So in your mind, if you already, if you already have in mind that you're like finished Shemun you have nothing more to say, even though you didn't take your three steps back, it's as if you finished Shemun So we should keep in mind that uh, we shouldn't start to get lax and let our mind wander during a lokainis or but sorry, you should go ahead and have the full kavana even up until the end. Okay, this next piece is really uh, a fascinating pasuk and limud. We're going to start now. But Amar Yosi, Rabbi Chanina, Mishum Rabbi Lezer Ben Yaakov, My Dechsev Lo Sochlu Al Hadam. Do not eat upon the blood. What does that mean? Lo Sochlu Kodem Shtispalu Al Dimchem. One should not eat before. You, one should not eat before you daven and pray for your lives. Now, what, how, do we, how do we learn that losoklu al-adam means you should not go ahead and eat before you daven? Because there's an extra word in this Pasuk. What's the extra word? Al. Really, the limud should say, Warren Jason, the limud should say losoklu dam, don't eat blood. Al-hadam, don't eat on the blood, comes to teach us many, many halachos. In fact, this is the classic example of what we call a lav shabachlolos. There are actually six separate prohibitions from this four words, losoch lo al adam. Here we're learning one of them. You cannot eat before davening. We're going to get into that in a second, what you are allowed to eat. But we're going to see also that the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daf Samach Gimel, brings five other limudim or, or isurim from this, from this pasuk, losoch lo al adam. Now it happens to be in, in Kedoshim, losoch lo al adam, losoch lo al adam, 
is actually two other, in this context, there's two other isurim in this pasuk. It says, don't eat on the blood, don't do sorcery and superstition. What's the connection? Happens to be in the olden times, the um, Goyim used to go ahead and put, dig a pit and fill it with blood and eat next to it so that the, the demon, so to speak, would come next to them and they would learn uh, future events. They would be able to be clairvoyant, so to speak, and they would learn from these demons um, the, you know, what's going to happen in the future. So that's why it's in the context of sorcery and, uh, and superstition. But we learn many, many other limudim from this. So for example, before we get into the halachas of not eating before, uh, before davening, let's just go into what the other limudim are. There are, so in general, there's certain types of losases that we do not get malchus for. A mal- malchus we know is you get 39 lashes. If you do any losase, any negative prohibition that has an action tied with it. And we learn that from the source of losachsam shorbidisha, you're not allowed to muzzle your animal. The juxtaposition of malchus to, in the Torah to not muzzling your animal teaches us that specifically for a losase that has an action associated with it, one would get malchus. If you were to do an action just by mouth, let's say cursing, okay, you would not get malchus because there's no action with it, okay? That's not actually from the Torah, but no. So any, only an action that has a, only a negative that has, uh, a losas that has an action with it. There's two other classes you don't get malchus for, and that is if you have a lav hanita klase, if you have a losas that you violate that can be fixed with a mitzvah, one does not get malchus for that. The classic, two classic examples are nosar. If you leave over carbon Pesach, Till after the next morning, when you're supposed to consume it before the morning comes, the sun comes. If you left over, you have to go ahead and burn it. If you burn the, the nosar, you don't get malchus because it's a lav hanitaklase. It's a lav that can be fixed with an assay. Similarly, if you go ahead and you steal and you're caught, you have to give back the stolen item and pay back double. You pay back 2x. If you pay back 2x, that is considered a lav hanitaklase. You are rectifying the low sase that you did, and you would not get malchus. The third category is what we're coming on right now. And that is a lav shabachlalos. A lav shabachlalos is <clears throat> where you have one pasuk that serves as an umbrella against many, many different prohibitions. And that's this pasuk. Losochlu al-hadam, don't eat on the blood. We're going to learn six different prohibitions from this one pasuk. And all of these prohibitions do not carry with it malchus because it's under this category of lav shabachlalos, a, ne- a, a pasuk that has an umbrella that has five or six or many different prohibitions with it. And the Gemara discusses, before we get into the topic of, of eating before davening, the Gemara there says, so the first limud we says, lo sochlo aladam, don't eat before davening because it sticks in the extra word al. The Gemara also discusses there that you're not allowed to eat from an animal even if it was shechted, if it still shows any signs of life. So you shecht an animal, what does that get for you? That removes the isra of Aver Menachai. We know when the Shevim Mitzvah is because we're not allowed to eat anything from a live animal. We can't rip off a limb from a live animal. When you shecht something, you remove that isra. It's no longer Aver Menachai. But if the animal is still moving, shows any signs of life, you still cannot eat it based on this Pasuk. It says, Lo Sochlu Al Hadam, says the Gemara. In Sanhedrin, the first extra limon is... <clears throat> You cannot eat from an animal if it's showing any signs of life, even if you already shechted it. What about like the chickens that run around? They run around. So usually we wait. I actually went to uh, Parkland for Dudu Kapars a few years ago. You actually see them. Run, yeah, it's a little scary, but yeah. Once. You went once. I went, right? That's all it took, yeah, trust exactly. me. In Bates, in Bates, that brings a uh, scenario where the uh, animal falls into a pit. 
Arab Yomtev, and uh, yeah. if they take from the neck, okay, yeah. how are they allowed to do that if the one, forget the fact that they didn't check for, uh, for Mumim, forget that fact, but how are they allowed to take Yeah, I, don't, I, I have to look in the corner, I don't remember it uh, well enough to answer, it's a good question though. The chicken's running around, though, without a head. You're not eating it at that point. Correct. No, that's what he's talking about. He said you won't be able to eat it at that point. Exactly. I hope you're not eating it at that point. Yeah. It's still raw. Keep in mind. Okay. you got to pluck the feathers first. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Go there once, guys. You'll run away. Trust me. Okay. Another thing is that you're not allowed to eat the meat of a carbon while the blood is still in the bowl. It has to be sprinkled on the mizbech before you can eat it. That's the second limit. Don't eat from the carbon while the blood is still present in the bowl. It has to be actually thrown on the mizbech. That's number two. Number three, we have halacha in Yoridei and Shulchan Arach that Rahman al-Islam, when someone comes back from the funeral of a loved one, he is not allowed to eat. The first meal should not be from his own food. A neighbor should come and give him the food. That does not apply if that person was killed by Bezdin. So this is the third Levin of Sanhedrin. If someone is a Haruge Bezdin, if someone was put to death by Bezdin, they warranted a capital punishment from Bezdin, and you're coming home, that relative is coming home from that relative's funeral who was killed from, because Bezin put him to death, one cannot give him any food. It's, you should not go ahead and give him comfort by giving him food. He should eat his own food. So normally, under normal circumstances, where one is not allowed to eat his first meal back from his a loved one's funeral, so other people should go ahead and do chesed and give him food, the Suda Sabara, when, it's, when that person was killed, Rahman al-Slan by Bezdin, one is not allowed to give him did food. You have, did you mention that there was also, previously, that there was also no shiva or... For a, for well, I didn't mention that, but, but that's not from this halacha, but that's the, that's the halacha, so it's not from this pasuk, but yeah. So now, the fourth pasuk, how do we know that Rabbi Kiva learns out from this pasuk, al adam? again, the, the extra word al throws everything off. It could just said, don't eat blood, and we know not to eat blood, but losochlu al adam um, allows us to learn many more limudim, and Rabbi Kiva says, a bezdin that puts someone should, to death is not allowed to eat the whole day. Losochlu al adam, if bezdin went in and put someone to death, they cannot eat on the day, that they, that they spilled blood. So that's another limud from this Pasuk. And the last one, which is very interesting, is we know there's a concept of ben remora. You have a child who's wayward, who steals food from his parents to go ahead and be a glutton, drinks wine and eats, and eventually he is killed. He is killed not because the punishment is so bad uh, for eating uh, glut- in a gluttonous way, but we're, asid, we're worried that this is going to be a slippery slope. He's going to continue to steal when his parents run out of funds because he's emptied their bank accounts, he's going to go ahead and commit armed robbery, eventually kill, and therefore we put him to death now while he's still, you know, relatively innocent because we don't want him to lose a share in Olam Haba. But that is the sixth limud from this, and this teaches us that right here is the, is the punishment, is the, is the warning not to eat in a gluttonous way. This is the actual, because in Kiseitz it just tells us about Ben Sorer Mora. Where does the actual prohibition not to be a ben sorer? When is the actual pro- where's the actual prohibition not to eat that way? From this Pasuk. So we have six different possibilities of what this Pasuk Losochlu al Adam means. And this is the classic example of Losochlu um, of Alav Shabbat uh, We're learning out six different prohibitions from one Pasuk. And for these, you do not get Malkos. Interestingly enough, there's Machlokas Rambam and the Ramban, whether one gets put to death if he eats like a glutton. And the Rambam says, yes, I, you're not allowed to be punished. We just said, if it's a lav shabachlolos, if you have one umbrella pasuk that teaches us many, many differently moods, you can't get punished. The Rambam says, yes, normally that's true. But by Ben Sower Morris, since it specifically says in Kiseitza, you're going to be punished. You can't, with death, you can't be punished without an azhara. The Torah needs to warn us. So this is the warning, according to the Rambam, 
for, for Ben Sower to be put to death. The Ramban disagrees and says, if you can't get punished, you can't get punished. I don't want any exceptions. In any event, the Gemara also says, so just as, as an aside on Ben Sower or Morat, the Gemara tells us that it never really happened. No one was ever put to death. No one was ever put to death. All the, the real estate that's taken up in Kitetse about Ben Sower or Morat never happened. The Gemara says, then why even tell us about it? So, Drosh V'Kabal Schar. Learn about it, and you still get Schar for it. Rav Shamshin Fal Hirsch has an amazing interpretation of what Drosh V'Kabal Schar was. Rav Shamshin Fal Hirsch says, let's backtrack a second. When it says you should learn about it and you'll get Schar, you know what it means? Learn about it. The whole purpose of Ben Sower Mor is a pedagogic tool, he says. It's teaching us how to be mechanic, how to rear our children. If you learn from the story of Ben Sower Mor, you'll get schar. The schars, you'll have banim hagunim, you'll have proper children. Not schar lima Torah. The simple understanding is learning and get schar, which is wonderful. But he says it's an insight into how to raise our children, says Rav Shom Shom Hirsch. I'm going to give a couple examples. Really amazing. But he says, drosh, learn it well, implement it in your household, use that to be mechanech your children, drosh v'kab schar. And you'll, you'll see the rewards, you'll reap the benefits when you see how your children grow up. And he gives a couple examples. I'm going to just read it because I... What, copy some of it from his chuvos. He said that the a, a Ben Soramora is only considered a Ben Soramora for the first three months after he reaches puberty. So from the 13 years until 13 years and three months. That is the window of time where a child can be deemed as a Ben Soramora. And he says it's such an important lesson that when a child is at that age, besides the fact that his hormones start to become and puberty starts to set in, and you know his base instincts come in, it's also an opportunity for greatness. And it's such an impressionable age that whatever we can you know, infuse into that child from a holiness level will last forever. We can't go ahead and say that you can never eat like a glutton your whole life. Obviously, we all go to weddings, we all have Purim. We're, there's times where we eat a lot. So the Torah didn't answer it forever. It just said those formative months of the child when he's 13 years, he's just became a gadol. We try to instill in him certain values that he will carry through life. And what he starts at that time is going to be imperative, um, uh, 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 sorry, critically important for how he will develop. So it's not a lifelong lesson. It's a lesson during the formative years, he says. And it, it signifies the importance of the short period in an adolescent's character development. And that's where we're very mockbit on this behavior. The other lesson, he says, which is critically important, it says... That he doesn't go ahead and listen to our voice. The Gemara says it never ever happened that you had a Ben Soramora because the qualifications that are needed are impossible. It says both parents have to have the same appearance. They have to have the same voice. It just doesn't happen. So the Torah didn't really want us to go ahead to kill Ben Soramora, but it teaches us a point. But it says it doesn't listen to our voice. The child, the parents come and say, our wayward child doesn't listen to our voice. So you can say that the voices have to be exact. But that's how Rav Shamsha refers. Give the same message. It doesn't mean that they have the same octave when they talk. It has to be a unified front. If the father's saying, go to Minyan, and the mother's saying, don't go to Minyan. If the mother's saying, learn, and the father's saying, go to the movies, it's not a unified front. That's not a Ben Sower Mora. It has to be... <coughs> where he got the same message, the same holy message from both parents. They were a unified front. And despite that, he didn't listen. That's, that's, the, uh, that's when Ben Soramora comes. So uh, Shamshon Falhurst says, parents should go ahead and align themselves what they're gonna, the message they're going to give their children, how they want to go ahead and the, the, the environment they want to create and the Shabbos in their home, giving the proper Kedusha and so on. And then you'll have Drosh V'Kabal That's what Shamshon Falhurst 
One last point, by the way, which is one of my favorite points about Chinuch in general, is uh, just to be mechanech our children. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thought. We just finished all the, um, the kalim, <coughs> continuing to read about the Mishkan, but, but all the kalim, all the kalim in the Beis HaMikdash, Lechat had to be made out of gold. Bidyeved, if you made them out of cedar wood, wood, it'd be okay. That's true with all the kalim except the keruvim. The keruvim were two cherubim, angel-like uh, statues on top of the aron. Figures, let's say figures, better than statues, yeah. Okay, so figures on top of the, on top of the aron. So the Gemara in Sukkah, Daf Hey, says, what is keruvim? The Gemara says it's keravya, it's like a child. Kruv, the word kruv, comes from kiravya, ravi is like a child. Says Rav Meir Shapir from Lublin, who's the one who originated the Kareh, the Daf Yomi. He said, Why, what, what's the symbol of the kruvim always having to be of gold? They can't be made of asashidu. Every other thing in the, karma, in the, in the um, Mishkan could be made of gold, but if you didn't have gold, you can make it out of cedar wood, except the kruvim. Says Rav Meir Shapir brilliantly. <coughs> The Kruvim represent the children. We just said Kiravi, they're the children. They are on top of the Aron. They're, they're, they're grabbing the Torah. It represents the Chinuch. When it comes to the Chinuch bottom, there's only the gold standard. There is no Bidiyevid. You can't make it out of cedar wood. Good. You can't make it out of cedar There is no Bidiyevid. There's only the gold standard. So that's why when it comes to the Kruvim, you, you can only make it out of gold. And that's why he says, similar here, that when we have the opportunity to mechanach our children, we should take no shortcuts. Obviously, whatever we put into them, they will get, hopefully, they will uh, turn out in, in the Derech HaYashar, and it's critically important when it comes to Chenech HaBonim to keep this in mind. Now, the first <coughs> point we made was the, from this Pasuk, Lo Sochlo Al Adam, teaches us that we cannot eat before davening, and the Gemara is going to say now, let's see why one cannot eat before davening. So, before we get on to the... Um, to certain halachas about it, the Gemara says, "Amar Rabbi Yitzchok, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Chanim, Shumer, Lezben Yaakov, Kola Ochel, Veshosev, Achar Kach Mispalo." Anyone who eats before they daven, all of Akasev Omer, the pasuk says, regarding this person, "Veosi Shlachta Achar Gavecha, you tossed me behind your back." Atikri Gavecha, don't read it your back. Ela Geyecha, rather your haughtiness, which Kadosh Baruch Hu says. Amar Kaddish Baruch to this individual who eats, who takes care of his own physical pleasures and needs before he comes to Davin, after this guy went ahead and in an arrogant way elevated himself and acted in a very uh, arrogant way, only then was he makabel alav, did he makabel upon himself by coming to Davin to me. And therefore, we go ahead and we say, one cannot go ahead and eat before he Davins based on these. Or us. Uh, so let's see. So, let's see if it's so clear. Oh, this is a derogatory statement. This is not, this is not, uh... After he did that, then he came? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a negative, it's a negative. <clears throat> okay. So, um, by the way, there's obviously an afkim. If you just read it based on this pasuk of Losochel Adam versus Geyecha, that would imply that if one said at least Kriyashma, and it's actually brought down, that if you say Kriyashma, then you are in Makabo, find yourself Machashwam, you would be able to eat or drink. Right? This would be an Afghan. The first book says, says, You cannot eat before you daven. <clears throat> the other Pasuk says, Don't read it behind my back, read it before you're Makabal Machashmaim. So, how do we Makabal Machashmaim Shma? So if one would say Shema, theoretically, one would be able to eat. So there would be a potential Nafkamina between these two Psokim, which one we bring as the source. Now, 
Uh, so the Ra'av Yoz, the first one, it says that drinking water is allowed because it's not an act of arrogance. In fact, we paskin that one can drink water because that's not a sign of arrogance, drinking water before. And the Beis Yosef brings down in Simon Peites, if someone has health concerns, if someone has health concerns, they obviously can eat and drink beforehand because that also is not an act of, uh, of arrogance. And that's, in fact, Beis Yosef, who is the Shulchan Aruch Paskins in the Shulchan Aruch as well, the Rambam says in Hilchas Tefillah, he says, Someone who is legitimately hungry or thirsty, doesn't mean, you know, just a little, a little craving, but someone who is legitimately hungry or thirsty, they fall into the category of If one has the capacity to go ahead and be mechavin, to have proper kavana for davening, if he doesn't eat, great. But if not, one should go ahead and eat and drink first. For example, sometimes in Shabbos morning, if you don't eat and drink, by the time Musaf comes, 11 o'clock, your stomach's growling, you can't concentrate. So that would be an example where you can eat a little bit beforehand um, if that's the case. Uh, but on a typical weekday, obviously, we go to shul at 6.30, 6.45, 7, 7.45, the most popular minion. Certainly, we should not try to go, we should try to go ahead and not eat uh, before, and nothing will happen if we don't eat until 8.30 in the morning. Now, if Shlomo Zalman Orbach brings it a little more uh, contemporary, he says that today, he says, you, one can go ahead, or Shlomo Zalman Orbach said that you can go ahead and drink even uh, coffee, tea with milk and sugar. There was some, the old, say again? It's an extension of water. Extension of water, but if you look at the Mishnah Burr, I think it was a Be'er Lacha, it says sugar is a sign of arrogance. So I'll leave that to everyone else. Well, they want to decide, but according to Rav Shlomo Zalman, one can go ahead and have even... But he does say, one second, he says, from Tehillim. He says, if you're going to drink uh, coffee with milk, at least say something to Mekabo Hashem, because I'm dependent on you. So when you say Hashem, meaning favor me, you're showing your dependence on the So with that, you're makabel omach hashmaim, even with a sentence, and that would be a good way to go ahead and allow you to have the the water, uh, the uh, tea or coffee. In 
Shelo Yomar Yotzer Or. As long as one does not say the bracha of Yotzer Or. Meaning, if you missed Kriyashma, you can no longer say it with the brachos. You can still say the, the three parshas of Kriyashma afterwards, because that is no worse than, than, than learning. But you cannot say the brachos. The Gemara says, Meisvei Akori, Mikan Ve'elech Lo Hifsid, Kadam Shukar Betorah, Aval Mevarach Hashem Lefanei Hashem Lacharel. But we do see, we, we have a b'risa that says, if you miss Kriyashma, you can still go ahead and daven with the brachos afterwards. We just said that you can only say Kriyashma, not the brachos. But we have a b'risa that contradicts that directly and says you can go ahead and say it with the brachos. So which is it? Gemara <clears throat> says, Tiyof to Rav Chista, Tiyof No, you're right. Rav Chista's wrong. If you're saying Kriyashma at 9.30 in the morning, you should still say the brachos with it. Okay? Ikadami, there are those who say no, that Rav Chista really said that. We, we, we misquoted him. Amar Rav Chista, Amar Ukva, Milo Hifsid. When it says that someone reads Kriyashma after 9 o'clock, after the Zman, it says Lo Hifsid, meaning it's at least when it says he didn't lose anything, it's like he's reading Kriyashma. No, Lo Hifsid means Shlo Hifsid Abrachos. He can still say the Brachos with it. Rav Chista never said that you can't say the Brachos. Really said, even after Kriyashma is over, the Zman is over, <clears throat> one would still be allowed to go ahead. And, <coughs> excuse me, say the brachas of Kriyashma. Tanya Nami Hakeh, Akari Mekan Ve'elech, Lo Hifsid, Kadim Shakar B'Torah, Aval Mevorach Hushan Tfenech, Achas Lachara. He still should say the brachas before and after, and that, in fact, is what Rav Chista said, and therefore it's not a tiyuf on him, because he never said that you can't say the brachas. In fact, he says you should say the brachas. And the Gemara continues, Amar Avmani, Godel Akari Kriyashma Ba'onasa, Greater is the person who reads the Kriyashma in its proper time, between, in the first three hours of the day, Yoser Osik Torah. It's even greater than someone learning. When we'll see from the, from the inference in a second. Greater is the person who says Kriyashma within the first three hours of the day. Even greater, it's a higher level, it gets more schar than someone who's actually learning Torah. Why? Since it says as follows. It says someone who's reading after the Zaman, meaning at 9.05, Lo Hifsid Kadim Torah. Don't worry, at the very, very least, He's still getting a schar limud, which implies he's still getting reward for learning Torah. Meaning that's the lower level. It's not so bad, he's still getting level. But if he was reading it during the proper time, ah, that would be even higher. Dekari banasa adif. Someone who would read in the proper time would have even a greater schar. Now, we discussed last time... But we're talking about someone who's reading in the improper time. Does he also get higher schar than just limud Torah? No, so that would be just leaving the Torah. No, so that would be just that would just be leaving the Torah. So your question is, then why is he even saying the brachos afterwards? Is that what you're about to get to? Right. So, uh, so this is what we discussed a a couple weeks ago. Just to go back, Rav Salvechik, based on the Kesef Mishnah and the Rambam, suggested, if you remember, that the brachos of Kriyashma are very, very different than brachos in general. We know that if someone is about to put up a mezuzah and he makes a bracha, the bracha is not part of the mitzvah itself. The bracha is midrabanan. Putting up the mezuzah is the act, the biblical act, mitzvah doraisa. Similarly with tefillin, any of these mitzvahs that have a bracha with it, tzitzis, sukkah, lulav, shofar, all these brachos have a berchosa mitzvah, that is midrabanan. The mitzvah itself is min torah And we know if someone is in a state of doubt, where they went ahead and performed the mitzvah, if it's a mitzvah min torah we always are nota, we always lean towards the more stringent side. So if someone forgot, if he went ahead and benched, he took a nap, Shabbos afternoon, <clears throat> A little bit too much to drink. He does not recall if he benched or not. Does and still within the proper zman. Let's assume he didn't. Was hasachadas? That's not a good example. But let's say he just doesn't remember if he benched. Does he have to go back and bench? The answer is yes. Berchas amazon is minatora. <clears throat> Any mitzvah, if you're not sure you did, it's minatora. You have to go back. What about the brachas? 
If I'm not sure, if I did a mitzvah, I'm not sure if I shook lulav this morning. I'm not sure. I fell asleep afterwards. I don't remember this morning if I went for shul to my sukkah to bench lulav. Do you have to go and shake lulav again? The answer is yes. The mitzvah and Torah you have to do. Do you have to repeat the bracha? No, the bracha is midrabanan. So in general, if you have a suffix, min Torah, you are suffix daraisa lechumra, suffix darabanan lekula. What about if I didn't remember that I went ahead and if I said kriyashma? Do I have to repeat the brachos? So normally the Rambam says, by any makam suffix, and he gives th- multiple examples. Let's say a, a, a hermaphrodite. He has both, uh, both um, sexual species. And it's a suffix whether he's chayv in tefillin or, or, or tzitzis. Do you make a bracha? Rambam says no. Rambam says no, it's a suffix. You do the mitzvah. Because that's Minat Torah. But you don't make the bracha. She so says in a makam suffix, in a place of doubt, by the Rabbanon, you don't make the bracha. You know where the exception is? By Kriyashma. The Rambam says, if you're not sure if you said Kriyashma, repeat it with the brachos. What do you mean? The brachos are always Midrabanon. Says Rav Salvechik, this is a proof that according to the Rambam, the construct, the institution of Kriyashma, the mitzvah, was the brachos are part and parcel of the mitzvah of Kriyashma. Therefore, it's not a separate suffix. It's not a separate suffix if you did the mitzvah and did I make the bracha. That's by Lulav. That's by Shofar. Not by Kriyashma. Another example he gives is that we are never allowed to go in and change the template of the Chachomim, of the bracha they made. It says, says the Rambam. If you change the matbeah, the format, the template of a bracha that the Chachomim made, you're Yotze, but he doesn't advise doing it. By Kriyashma, he says, if you change the brachos, you're not Yotze Kriyashma, says the Rambam. Again, another proof says thereof that the whole institution of Kriyashma was with the Berchos Kriyashma, part and parcel of the mitzvah. Because normally, if you change the matbeah of the brachos, okay, you get a slap on the wrist, you still fulfill the, br- the, mi- the bracha. So, according to Rambam, when we said <clears throat> that you can uh, be Yotze Kriyashma Alamita with your Kriyashma, that doesn't work. That's a separate question, because Rashi says it's only the first parsha. Depends. The Rambam's of the opinion. So there are four opinions, just because Steve brought it up, and we have three minutes before, because I'm out of stuff to say today. <coughs> the Gemara ended it quickly. So there's a four-way machlokas, one of the mitzvah of Kriyashmai. So we know the Ramban, we'll get to Davchof, the Ramban says only the first pasuk, possibly Baruch Shem, but the first pasuk is Minatora, because it says if you don't have Kavanah for the first pasuk, you have to go back. So the Ramban, Ramban learns the first Pasuk Minatora. Rashi learns the first Parsha's Minatora. We saw that he says you can be Yotze Kriyashma with that night. Tosfos says the first two Parshios, and the Rambam says all three Parshios. You have to include, and we'll get to a fascinating stuff. Maybe we'll discuss it next week because it relates to the Seder. <clears throat> um, but the Rambam says all three Parshios. So the fact that, and Tosfos actually brings the, the first Tosfos in, in the, the Masachta, asks in Rashi, you're not saying the brachos there. So that's a question that Tosfos asks in Rashi, which he argues one cannot be, you'll say, Mitzvah Kriyashma at night with Kriyashma Lamita. <clears throat> In any event. Okay, so next week. Thank you, everyone. Next week, we're just going to give everyone a heads up. We're going to do two days on, on Pesach. We got to the Mishnah. It doesn't really make sense to start a Mishnah for two days. I'm not going to be here the final week and leave them for Pesach. Hashem. So next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll do, I think, one uh, more Lamdus and one more stuff related to the Makos and the Haggadah. Have an amazing day, everyone. Yeah,